0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 173 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm back. Yep, back in the groove. Took a weekend a bit off through the holidays just to hang out with the family and settle down, simmer down, slow things down, you know, whatever people do during that period of time. And uh, here we are, Monday, January 6th, ready to get cracking and back at it. So before I introduce today's guest, I wanted to let you know that in the background, we've been building Print Design Academy. I am super passionate about print and I want more designers to be creating incredible, tangible experiences for their clients and for their clients' customers. I want more people printing because print is not to be messed with. It's incredible to create A tangible brand experience like print can provide is just fantastic. So I want to train you how to be an expert in design for all kinds of print, screen print, letterpress, offset, whatever else, whatever you're doing. I want to help you do that. So Print Design Academy is currently closed because I am adding content and training and building it with the founding members. But if you want to be the first to know When Print Design Academy opens up, again, for membership, you can head over to printdesignacademy.com and sign up for the waitlist. The waitlist will be the first people to know and they will get first crack at it. And you know, I might even sneak a little bit of a bonus in there for those waitlist people uh, when Print Design Academy opens up again. So don't miss that. Printdesignacademy.com and sign up for the waitlist. So, the reason I really wanted to bring that up was because print is amazing, but also in this episode, we talk about print. So, let's not wait any longer. Today's guest is Josh Lewis. He's an illustrator and designer out of Colorado Springs. Josh's specialty is children's illustration. Think children's books, things, children's products, that sort of thing, Now, he didn't actually intend to become an illustrator of children's-related products, but he actually has this type of illustration in his family history. He tells us how he landed on it and what his original career path was. We talk about what really lit his design fire and forced him to find what that specialty was for him, what was he good at, and how he needed to just get started with that, We talk about print and how it has been used in his design career, and he tells us about a mini book mailer, um, I guess, project that he sends out to prospective publishers. He creates these mini little stories, these teaser stories, and direct mails them to publishers. What an incredible way to get his work in front of them rather than sending an email or something like that. It's definitely different. We talk about the in-house client presentation that started great, but uh, found his communication let him down a little bit, caused him to miss a big opportunity. He also tells us a story about his first bite-sized book project and how it came from a story that his son created. Hopefully his son gets some cred there. You'll have to wait in here. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get right to it. First interview of 2020 my guest, Josh Lewis. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So are you ready for a quickie?
0: Josh, how are you, sir? Thanks so much for being on the show today.
1: Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Are you ready for a quickie?
1: Absolutely. Let's do it. Attaboy. boy. We'll briefly tell the listeners about yourself. <laughs> I'm an illustrator and designer out of Colorado, and I specialize in the kids market. Uh, So I do kids books, uh, magazines, games. Um, I also do a lot of design work as a part of my business. So a lot of people know me as an illustrator, but I'm both and. Um, I I have a wife and three kids, so that keeps me pretty busy as well. You're welcome to the Uh, club, my friend. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What ages are your kids? uh my oldest is 17 and yes I'm not that old um, <laughs> I have, I'll, I'll get to that in a second my uh my oldest son is 17 my daughter is 16 and then my youngest son is uh twelve so we've got a couple of kids we're preparing for the world mm-hmm. um, yeah my wife and I got married young I was 19 and she was 20 a year later my uh, oldest son uh was into this world and uh, we're grateful for that so we're gonna be Pretty um, young uh, empty nesters here in a few years.
0: <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I have three kids myself. My oldest is 11, though, so you're a few years ahead of me, and my youngest is eight. Oh wow! So a few more, a few more years to go to 11 years, at that yeah. stage. But we just entered into the. Um, my oldest now has her own cell phone, so we're sort of monitoring <laughs> that. It's like the yes. most beat up, old, cracked screen, terrible battery phone. And she's telling me about her friends having these brand new iPhones. And I'm like, well, good for them, but you're not getting one.
1: <laughs> right. It's good. Good life lessons, I think. Uh, you get you get what you, you can at that age. And exactly. that is definitely a way trickier part of parenting uh, than from when I was growing up. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in high school in the late 90s. So, I mean, it was like unheard of of any, any of my friends to have like a phone. And it was like yeah. one of those like old Nokia. <laughs> yeah, the ones that kind of look Both, like the hourglass yeah. shape, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. Yeah, it's uh, she's we've only been in that territory for a couple of months and still navigating, you know, what it's all about. Still the new novelty thing right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, you got into children's illustration and sort of kids books and things like that. Was that your original sort of career direction or did you just kind of land there and did really well?
1: Yeah, so I actually, um, I'd drawn my whole life. So to answer your question briefly, like, Mm -hmm. no, that was not my plan at all. But I've drawn since I was a kid. And I saw, I was fortunate enough to do some design work in my high school art class back in the late 90s, which was not heard of at the time. And that kind of helped put me on a path to where, after I was married, after I had two kids, I went back to school for graphic design, got a bachelor's degree. um, And then, um, but then I saw a couple of examples of people that were making the pivot from design to illustration. And then I think a lot of like when Dribbble first came out, like Mm -hmm. 2010, 2011, I was drawn to all the illustrators. And so it was kind of like, started learning more about myself. Yeah, I love drawing, but I then over I started kids had after babies I was like and graduating school I was like if I don't draw mm-hmm. um, if I don't try to give illustration a go and really push it for like a year that's gonna be a major life regret I had already dabbled in it in school mm-hmm. um, and so I just pushed it and for years and years I sucked and uh, was not good but thankfully um, I had some opportunities um, to kind of help with the transition and to where I'm at now. So that's cool. it was not the original.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna open this up a little bit, because I want to hear a little bit more about this story. Um, so let's start with your childhood. What was that like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you in this career direction?
1: Um, I don't think it was it was definitely a creative opportunity. I think like my parents were not we were definitely supportive, got me art supplies, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but my, my dad was re- is retired army, so like I moved all over. So half of my growing up years were in Germany, and so I was just kind of split around. And um, most of my family is not artists. My mom is creative, and she would do arts and crafts, and you know she liked to sing and play guitar. Um, but I didn't really have any family examples, uh, or, uh, people that I knew that were artists. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is like pre internet taking off. So <laughs> there wasn't just like, I wasn't as exposed to some of that, but I would draw like, you know, take out the old like VHS box of, uh, like Aladdin and draw the genie. And like, I was a huge NFL fan. And so I would draw like logos and, um, things like that. Um, but I didn't really have those examples. And so like I've stumbled into this sort of after high school, um, but come to find out, um, my great, great grandfather on my mom's side is a children's book was a children's book, author and illustrator in like New York city area, like early 1900s. So he published, he had four books published from 1901 to 1904. Wow. And, um, which is crazy. And, um, he, yeah, and he did that much a little later in life. He was in his mid to late 30s when he started doing that. And he was like a great fine artist. I have some of his oil paintings as well. And, um, but anyway, so there's that's part of my DNA. His son, my great grandfather, was a commercial artist in New York City, New Jersey area, um, in like the 1920s and 1930s. His son, my grandfather, was an engineer. <laughs> so <laughs> very different. And we don't know a whole lot about that side just because my great grandfather left my, uh, great grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, my grandfather was actually raised mostly by his grandparents from the other side of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been kind of fun. Like I have some of his books and so it was like this crazy connection. Once I learned that like 12 years ago, that's well, cool. I'm like, that's where I get this from. Like I felt like this weird anomaly and, uh, but that's where I get that from. So That's so cool. So you
0: found came to find that out later on. Yeah, I'm curious. So I'm curious, though, to hear, you drew a bunch of it as a kid, what continued or how did where how did you continue down that path? Was it just taking art classes through high school? or, Or what did you end up doing? How did you end up pursuing this as a career?
1: Yeah, so I went to a I went to college the first time around for a very different thing called youth ministry, and that was yep. so not my thing. <laughs> so <laughs> I dropped out after a year, um, and then it was really like getting married young, having kids. That really lit a fire up my butt to mm. um, figure out how to make a living. And so um, around that time, there was a pro- program opened up at a local uh, college university here. And, um, I, my dad at the time was teaching, so I was able to take classes (laughs) through him. And, uh, that's where I really started, um, kind of just taking it seriously as a designer. And, um, a year within that I got a job, um, at a local company here. And so I just really was able to learn a lot and skyrocket as a graphic designer Was something that I had dabbled in in high school Mm -hmm. and, kind of messed around. I had Photoshop and that sort of stuff, <laughs> just kind of dabbling little things here and there, but nothing super serious. So my daughter, <laughs> when she was born, my son, or she was on the way, I was like, okay, I've got to do something. And that really pushed me forward.
0: Got it. Okay. So that's making sense there. It's funny that you sort of originally started with the children's ministry or uh, sort of youth ministry. And it just didn't, quite, yeah. it didn't quite feel right young marriage, young family comes along, and you're like, okay, I got to figure something out here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: got it. So um, how long, fast forwarding to now a little bit, how long have you been freelancing for?
1: I've been out on my own for a little over three years.
0: Okay. So. And before that, what's in between, you know, becoming this professional illustrator and now freelancing? What, or do you have some studio gigs in there? What are you doing in that time?
1: So I worked at two very large nonprofits here in town as a Mm -hmm. designer and art director. And, um, thankfully a lot of that was in the kids market, but just on the, just on the design side. Okay. And so, um, that was great. You just, you know, I learned a lot. Um, I, just from a lot of other colleagues and, and peers and working on some pretty big projects. And, um, during that time I, was a lead designer for a kid's radio show and did like everything from uh old cd and dvd packaging to book covers to like calendars and all kinds of you know in-store displays that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. then i helped start a kid's magazine at the next job that i had which i didn't quite see coming right away but um i kind of unfolded as I started the job (laughs) not not necessarily what I went there for and so I was grateful to to help launch that kids magazine with another editor and so that's when I got into um, working with other illustrators and photographers and um, there was a need to have some illustration in the magazine and that was kind Mm -hmm. of like one of the great places where I could cut my teeth through, they were especially the first few were really bad, but that's where I was like, Oh, okay. I've got to up my game here mm-hmm. and just continue to practice um, illustration. So.
0: Got it. Okay. So you're a designer, you're an illustrator, you're doing, you're, you're doing a that. And it just so happened that the jobs that you had were more focused, you know, ministries or businesses toward children and yes. sort of products and, and editorial stuff for children. What is the moment where you went, oh, yeah, design like became that children's illustrator? Because like, you yeah. you hadn't niched down to that at this point. You've just sort of yeah. been touching it without knowing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was semi-intentional in the sense of that's where I wanted to head. Mm-hmm. But, but I kept telling myself for years, like, you're not good enough, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Do a lot of negative self-talk, which yep. is not healthy, but I just, it's like kind of that taste versus skill level. Um, and so, um, I think it was just like, I had a, we can get into this a little bit more later. I just had a series of just like, um, like worst case scenarios happen at the job that I was at. And it just kind of like, during those times, like, it was like, Oh, you really, need to be, I was not doing kids stuff for a little while. I was like, Oh, you really need to be doing kids stuff. And, um, and then I just, I think that just desire to want to prove myself to illustrate more really came during that, during that time. So Got it it. Is more kind of like the bumps along the way really just made what I wanted to do. And I had been doing it long enough to where mm-hmm. it was like, this is what I really want to do. And this is what I have a passion for.
0: Got it. So I feel like some of that is going to come up with the later questions when we get into some of the challenges that you've experienced in your career.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Before getting there, I want to just get through a couple of other ones here um, that I think are really cool to hear and share. And I want to know, Josh, starting with what has been the most influential design of your life so far? Something that you saw in your career path and just has stuck with you?
1: Yeah, this one's yeah, I'm not one of those like one thing guy, but like um, I would say like this was real early on, like watching, I followed like Asterix Studio with like Don and Ryan Clark. And um, I saw Don Clark go from designer doing music industry stuff and then pivoting to children's illustration and doing more of that. So that kind of like put it in, that was like the first time I thought like, Oh, you could pivot to something different. And so I, I think that's one of those things like I wouldn't without guys like that, he's not the only one, but without folks leading the way like that, I don't, I wouldn't be where I'm at today.
0: Got it. That's a cool one. Um, so you had mentioned a designer or a studio, the Asterix studio that you had followed. Um, I want to hear now if you have some other designers or brands that you look up to now and closely follow and what about them do you like?
1: Yeah. So um this is just one that comes t- top of mind, but um, so I have, uh, friends, uh, uh, Ruben and Toya Levi that run this thing called Gritzco mm-hmm. and it's a lifestyle brand. And, um, what I love about it is that they're really embracing black Americana and they, their whole Instagram feed is like, um, like all these old historical photos. Some of it is old historical photos of like, um, black America in like forties, thirties, fifties and, Um, lots of cool things there their clothing brand um, they have a thing called uh, a mascot called Ross Crow who's this rubber hose style you know 1920s crow and that he works into like all of their um, apparel and just like I just really respect that they fully embrace who they are and share that in such a cool way Um, so I, I usually end up getting one of their shirts or things every year and um, I just, and they do this other thing, um, called the green book project that, um, is also an Instagram hand, um, um, uh, account. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I struggle there, but yeah. um, no, it's
0: like, is it a handle? Is it an account? Is it, what yeah. is it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, it's, it's, they talk a lot about like, um, especially like in segregation, um, they just, it's this, they educate they're educating everybody about, you know, what it was like to um travel during that era. And there was like this Green Book thing, a uh, book. It was a physical book. I think started in like the 1930s. That was basically um for the African American community. It was like these are all the safe places to um, you know, eat and stay and um and a guide. So it's just like I'm a huge history nut. So mm. I, I eat that up and they're just really great people that um just have a great ethos about them and what they do and um yeah yeah so i just like i just i'm always i'm always blown away when people are just brave enough to embrace who they are and Mm -hmm. go out there that's something i struggle with you know (laughs) so what
0: would just give the two instagram accounts a shout out here um what was it grit and co uh
1: i think it's where it's at where grits like w-e-a-r-g-r-i-t-s and then um i'm looking the other one up as we speak there was green Book. Uh, or something. there's green book yeah green book project oh my gosh forgive me no it's <laughs>
0: okay i'm curious i want to hear this
1: the uh yeah it's the green book project all together okay going to look that up that's super cool
0: thank you for sharing those i haven't heard of them before but i love the you know the w- way that you explain them and the picture that's painted and i can't wait to check those out yeah so josh i want to slide into now talking a little bit about print and print design um how have you utilized print and print design in your design career any stories or specific projects that you can share with us
1: yeah um I, first off, I've, I've done a little bit of everything, but Mm -hmm. print has been primarily of a lot of what I've done. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I'm trying to think of a lot of different, uh, things. So one of the things I've been doing, um, lately is I think there's just this power to print as far as like, especially with kids book, which is a little different than probably most of your guests, but like when you have a physical book in your hand, Mm -hmm. it just feels substantial. It feels like there's this big sense of accomplishment by everybody that was involved in making it. And so I've tried to capture a little bit of that with some of my mailers lately, where, um, I have this side project that I've been doing for like uh, about a year and a year and a half or so called bite size books. Mm -hmm. And it started out as, um, picture books for Instagram, which, um, um yeah which started out as picture books started out as digital but i'm like you dummy they're like 10 pages (laughs) long you dummy you have a book so why not print it out and send that out um you know along so i've been mailing physical postcards and hadn't been hearing anything from publishers partially because i needed to get my skill up but partially it's you just get lost in the flood of things so it's (laughs) like send a little quick story and so i found an online vendor printed it out and um this last year I had three mailings and each one I heard back from at least one. The last one I heard back from three publishers where I hadn't heard anything from before. So while everybody's sending postcards, I'm sending these little mini kids books that have a full story. So my sons writ- wrote one of them. Uh, I had a friend write, um, one of them and I've written two of them. so it's kind of like pushed me into, um, writing as well. So, but I think just the power of having that stand out, um, in the mail, um, Helped, I think it's helped me leap forward.
0: Yeah, and you know what I love about that is it speaks again to the power of putting something unique and different into somebody's hands rather than sending an yeah. email portfolio or doing what everybody else is doing with a postcard. How are you going to stand out?
1: And yeah, absolutely. I love
0: the spin that you put on it to stand out and do something a little bit different while still in print and showcase the medium that you are primarily working in.
1: Yeah. And I'm always a, 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 I always geek out about stuff that does both print and digital together really Ugh. well. So, um, cause that's just the world that we, we live in. And I think like with anything, like with print, you get, it just gives you that, few seconds longer of interaction, even like with just a straight postcard, you at least have to consciously go, I'm going to throw this away, (laughs) you know, so you get at least two or three seconds longer. Um, So I think it can, if it's impactful enough, at least it's not bad. It's good, good art or um, it can have a little bit longer impact as well. So totally well said.
0: All right, Josh, time for the tough stuff. Yeah, I'm going to get into some questions now about, um, you know, challenging times in your career. And I really just want to pull the stories and the lessons that you've learned out and share those with the listeners. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it?
1: Yeah, so I I briefly mentioned it um, earlier about kind of had this period of um, kind of worst case scenarios. I'm going to back up, get a little vulnerable here for a second, but Uh like, (laughs) oh no, here we go. No, it's not too bad. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those lessons that you kind of like was painful during like excruciatingly painful during the time, but I look back and I can draw a direct line to where I'm at now and you can kind of see the redeeming value in it. So, um, and I definitely, yeah, anyway, so I'll, I'll jump right in. So (laughs) I was, um, working on this, uh, kids magazine. Um, and, uh, I, this was like in 2011 where the iPad had, was pretty new. And like, I got, I got I attended this thing called uh, uh, How How Design Conference. This thing that no one's ever heard of. Yes, they've heard of it. Uh, How Design, um, and there was like Martha Stewart's like editor in chief was there, mm-hmm. um, showcasing what they were doing with this iPad. And I was mm-hmm. working on this kids magazine. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much cool possibilities. And Martha Stewart Magazine was doing like lots of cool stuff back then uh, with stop motion um, covers and like really blending digital real and you know the magazine world really well so i went Mm -hmm. and i created one um the next issue that i was working on like kind of on the side because i'd worked in corporate america long enough to know that if you ask for permission it will die in committee Mm -hmm. so i just kind of created my own version of it on nights and weekends and um then showed it to um the client that i was working with in-house and and uh that they were like blown away because they were trying to figure out how to do that Um, and I was talking about like, you guys need an art director to put all this together between all multiple different versions, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So we go test out a, um, version of the main magazine for the, the nonprofit that I was working at. And, um, that, uh, and I put even more work into that. Well, that convinced the vice president at the time they had been told no twice before to not pursue this. Well, the prototype, um, convince the vice president that we need to figure out how to invest in this for the future. And um, there was a position that opened up and, um, and then um, I had heard like different things about the job at different uh, um, from three different people. So it was like, I wasn't going to get an interview. I'm like, I need an interview just so that we're all on the same page moving forward. And mm-hmm. then I could have certainly communicated better after this little talk, but, um, I found out much later that they thought I wouldn't care about the main magazine as much, which was not true. And, um, I don't want to get too much into the details, but, um, they ended up put, posting the position outside and, uh, <laughs> and they, they ended up hiring a great designer. It ended up working out great, but I learned a valuable lesson of one. I needed to communicate better as far as like, um, you know, just like expectations between the two of us or, Mm -hmm. you know, the different parties. But I also learned that like when you're pouring into a larger organization, it's not your own thing and you can get pushed aside very, very quickly because it's more about, it just depends on, on. So I learned, you know, be loyal to people absolutely that are worthy of that. But, Mm -hmm. um, but then that started getting me thinking about, Oh, if I'm going to work this hard and sacrifice nights and weekends, it's going to be for my own thing. (laughs) It's going to be for your own benefit. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be for my own, my own, yeah, for my own benefit. So even though like that was like gut wrenching and Mm -hmm. really led to a season of like, uh, depression and anxiety after that, there were some other things where my department got switched to, um, doing direct mail and direct marketing Mm -hmm. only. And that's kind of when I knew that I needed to get out of, yeah, that. And I tried a bunch of places, like applied a bunch of places for like two years, had like two interviews at during that time. And, uh, it just seemed like lots of doors were shut. And that's when I kind of knew like, okay, the scariest thing to do with a wife and three kids is to go out on your own. And so I, I worked for like a year and a half of building up clients and, but all the time just trying to like juggle all this, um, day job and things not going well. Um, with my entire department there. And, um, yeah, I think a lot of just like situational depression and anxiety. I probably am more of an anxious person than I am a depressed person. And I got Mm -hmm. on medication and all that. But, um, yeah, I think that's when that's kind of like that time when I was talking about what during that time it was shouting what I needed to be doing. I'm like, I need to get back. I wasn't working on the kids magazine. Um, during that time, that's when I needed to like, Mm -hmm really go after that and have the guts to go do that.
0: So this conceivably started like a great opportunity where you thought that, <clears throat> you know, there's this great opening and I've put together this amazing cover concept in this brand new direction for this product and it's going to go so well, it's going to land me this job. And, <laughs> and you found out that, you know, through your, you know, almost your, your struggle to communicate properly in that situation caused you to miss that opportunity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was one of those things where I think that's what was so gut wrenching. It seemed like things were lining up, and I was moving mm-hmm. and inspiring people and influencing people, and then out of out of nowhere, it seemed like it got pulled right out under my feet. So, uh, got it. <laughs> but that prepared me for freelance because that happens all the time, where yeah, you exactly. think you have something yeah. <laughs> and then you don't. So. Um,
0: Well, Josh, we're going to stay aboard the vulnerability train here. And uh, on this next one, I want to get a little bit more specific. Um, Can you take us to a specific design or a specific project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result? What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story?
1: Yeah, I think um, I already blew it with the uh, iPad (laughs) magazine. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think just that was one of those times where um it was exhilarating at first like influencing people and pushing something forward and something that i was passionate about and then just felt incredibly stupid after <laughs> i found out that they were uh. going to go with someone else and that was kind of the probably the first major hiccup in my career because before i had come to find out an anomaly that i had worked with great people that were loyal to each other and, um, and I don't want to speak bad. I mean, I, I know those people that were involved and I, I have no ill feelings or anything. I think mm-hmm. they're great people. It's just one of those poor communication times. And so, um, I think that was, I think it wasn't just that project per se. It was just the next two to three years after that, where I tried really hard to find another job. I tried to do like stay positive and stay, you know, upbeat and go like, okay, this is not a good fit for me. This job mm-hmm. when I started was great. Job isn't a good fit for me anymore. But just to have so many doors and so many unknowns just happen, just so many doors shut and then getting you know, um I think that was just a hard season to just kind of continue to try to stay positive, pick yourself up. Um and man, that stuff is that not just affects me, it affects my my family, my my kids at home, just the um You know, and, and, um, you know, as much as I tried to continue to, and I had friends who were great that, you know, we, we kind of walked through that season together. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it just didn't seem like it was going to end. And Mm -hmm. so, um, and then it did. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs)
0: all so suddenly, seemingly, right?
1: Yeah. And, and I think it's just one of those things, regardless of where you find yourself now, it feels like something's going to be that usually something that's prolonged over a course of two three years mm-hmm. um or more it feels like oh this is this is it, this is all my life's gonna be about, but there are seasons and, and life is about ups and downs and weird- <laughs> twists and turns and um yeah, and I think it, I think for me i I just had to really i had to really work on my attitude during that time I had to really work and try to you know watch what I was bringing home kind of the frustrations and nothing crazy mm-hmm. you know it was like i was there's like no abuse or anything but just kind of just the isolating myself from my family just because yeah. i was depressed and
0: it preoccupies you right you yeah. know so you want to be able to come home and just you know put 100 of your focus into now being home and and your kids and your family but you are sort of weighed down and three quarters of your brain is preoccupied with this right you know, doubt and this questioning and sadness and all of that Right. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, Josh, I'm going to change gears here for you. I want you now to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing.
1: Yeah. um, So I'm spending a lot of time on this bite-sized book thing because it's just been the course of my year and a half. But that really started because um, it really started – it was born out of connecting with my son who has autism. He's my Mm -hmm. oldest son. who's 17. Um, but when he was a freshman in high school, so a few years, three years ago, okay. three, four years ago, now he had to write an English story and it was, uh, he was, yeah, it was just not really good for him in his condition of trying to empathize mm-hmm. with, um, he had history in English and it was like, you had to write about the, um, uh, French revolution and what it was like being poor and how do you empathize with a kid during that time? And, um, he was putting it off because it's just not his jam to do that mm-hmm. sort of thing, and he can he can empathize, but it takes him a while to get there. I've seen him mm-hmm. empathize for sure, but just trying to have empathy is a little – it's difficult for him. So um, it was one of those things where he <sighs> – um, he was putting it off and he was actually late and behind on the assignment by like a week or two. Mm-hmm. My wife was patiently working with him. And so she was like, okay, tonight we're getting it done. You're going to sit down, you're going to speak and I'm going to type. <laughs> and out of nowhere, he came up with this story from, it was short cause that's who he is. But, um, it was, uh, um, what we ended up calling the tastiest bun of all. And my wife was just laughing almost in tears cause it's my son's weird sense of humor and um and uh, it's kind of grim brothers like at the end and so i'm yeah. like okay i have to illustrate this like <laughs> one like it just came out of nowhere that he could do this like creative writing and um he was super funny and like part of him having autism is he doesn't have he's a hard time with the social cues and understanding social things so he's not as influenced as some other kids so he can I feel like he has this freedom to be who he is and so i just wanted to one i i had to illustrate it because it was hilarious and two i just wanted to encourage him to um that he might have a gift you know that um that his quirky stories could you know, impact other people. And so just being able to illustrate that, um, in a way to, to show them that. And I originally started it with like, as like a magazine, like it was a short story. So it was like, it's like a two page magazine story. And then I, I last minute, like, well, Instagram just did this carousel thing of 10 images. What Mm -hmm. if I, I like retrofitted it to that. And, um, I was like, this is a cool way to tell a story on Instagram. Mm -hmm. People don't always read the, the words below. And, um, and so, So I did that and I was like, just for fun, I was just kind of teasing. him, like, oh, so you do have any, do you have any other stories? And he like instantly (laughs) just says, a frog takes a rocket to the North Pole. And I'm like, I'm in.
0: (laughs) Go on.
1: (laughs) So that one took a little longer and that we had to like have several sessions of like trying to figure out the story. And that led to Rudy's flight. And I was like, okay, this needs to be a thing. Um, this needs to be a thing on Instagram because I think there's just so much potential there. And so I, I illustrated that. Um, and then that's where I was like, Oh, you dummy, you have this story of Rudy's flight. Why don't you mm-hmm. mail that out? Yeah. And so that was last a little over a year ago, last fall that I did that and, uh, or yeah, fall of 2018. And so that really, um, it's probably one of the smartest things I've done in my marketing and I've done a lot, a lot of done. Dumb- things. So it's probably one of those, but I think the reason why it's the feather in my cap is that it was really born out of connecting with my, my oldest son and, and telling stories together. And um, last year for Christmas, I ended up giving him a, I found like through blurb.com or whatever, just one of those hardback um, story, uh, hardback books. I printed it out and then just wrote a note of encouragement. And that was kind of one of his Christmas presents last year to say Mm -hmm. like, you got this wacky sensibility in you and um, one of his what's really cool is one of his favorite um author well he's even an illustrator too mm-hmm. uh angelberger has asperger's has autism is on the spectrum as well and my mm-hmm. son has always been connected with him and he does this origami yoda series and um so um so i think there was just something like oh this guy who has um you know, kind of in the same boat as you is successful in this area. And just having this physical book, I was hoping that that physical book would have the power of like pointing him like you could have a career in this. And so shortly after that, he shut down and was kind of like, I don't want to do any more stories with you, but (laughs) (laughs) it's a good seed that maybe knows where that will go uh, later on. It's a cool
0: uh, experience. Nonetheless, you know, to be able to have things you created, right. And especially in that tangible hard copy form right so josh you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question that's where i have a question for you from my last guest and you get to ask a question of my next guest i'm not going to tell you who they are but you can ask them anything okay so my last guest was aaron potter and he is an in-house designer at Domtar paper like the makers of cougar and lynx yes um, i
1: just met him at creative works
0: did you really Yes, That's yeah, fantastic. we hung
1: out. Yeah, I like Aaron; he's awesome.
0: Cool. So Aaron wants to ask you: you only, and it's print related, which is fitting. Um, you can only pick one ink out of CMYK to use for the rest of your life.
1: Oh dear Which Lord.
0: one would you pick, and why?
1: Only one. So, C- cyan, magenta, yellow, or black? Right? Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's a, that's a good one. Um, gosh, that's really tough. Um, I would say black just cause Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Just cause it's dark and you can, um, I mean, I, if, if I'm allowed to do percentages, that's great, but, yeah. but even then you can get a lot out of black and, um, um, I mean, there's just like some amazing tricks that you can do within that, um, to get different, you know, to trick the eye and all that. So anyway, I think I would go with black. Nice. Yep. That's the I, one I always loved limited color palettes and being able to do like one or two or three color inks. I've definitely done a lot of that over my career. So it's always a fun challenge. Mm-hmm. I think so. I love it.
0: Yeah. Um, so Josh, what is your ask it
1: forward question
0: for my next guest?
1: Okay. This is going to get a little bit more philosophical, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh. Um, I think it's more, um, what do you love about what you do? Uh, What is the meaning in it? The deeper sense of meaning in what you do there.
0: So what is the deeper sense of meaning in what you do?
1: Yeah. Or with what you, what you love doing. Mm -hmm. So just beyond this, like the fun, cool stuff, but there's always that deeper sense um, of the why behind what we do. Got it. I was just coming up with that on the spot. Sorry. So No, it's
0: all good. I like it. That's how it's done. Uh, Yeah. So I'll ask that question of my next guest. Josh, you've reached the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It was uh I really just love the questions that you have and um it was great answering them. So I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: All right, all right. That is the end of the first episode of 2020. Thank you so much for listening. I'm not going to lie. I had to shake the cobwebs off there. It was a little bit rusty. Uh, 45 minutes to do an intro is too long. I'm just kidding. It wasn't that long, but it was not pretty. Um, But that was it. So, ladies and gentlemen, in true quickie podcast format, I'll be back tomorrow. See you then.